This episode is brought to you by Bloat Games. Hiya folks, Old Man Grognard here. If you're looking for games that combine the classic RPG feel with the light, concise rule set of today's indie games in a variety of genres, you gotta check out Bloat Games. Their Survive This Rules take a cue from the old-school games of yore and combine them with a stripped-down but easy-to-understand mechanic that plays fast and fun, giving you an exciting, thrilling game session every time. Whether it's fighting off zombies, swinging a great axe and slinging spells in dark, dangerous, creature-filled forests, riding your 10-speed bike through monster-infested suburbs, or keeping the city streets safe from super-powered menaces, the Survive This system is the one that'll keep your players coming back to the table. Check out the these great RPGs, in addition to card games and other fantastic things they offer, at blokegames.squarespace.com or at drivethroughrpg.com. Bloke Games. The worlds are fiction, but the fun is real. Abed and all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff. With your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya, folks. Old Man Grognard here. Hope you're all doing well. Nice day out there today. Okay, first off, I have Jason sending in a voicemail here talking about my show I did on clerics turning onto Ashley. I've got two of them. I also got one from, from Randy over at Vickis Geekus. But I'm going to save that for the next show because that's a little longer. So go ahead, Jason. Hey Glenn, Jason here. I think it really just depends on how your world is set up and maybe even what deity your cleric serves, whether you're going to let them control undead or not. You know, so I, I have no problem with the hit die thing, you know, controlling hit die instead of specific, I mean, you know, turning hit die instead of certain creature type. Although I do think if you do that, you might have certain creatures that, you know, turn at a higher hit die, you know, to throw a monkey wrench and things. But that said, depending on the cleric, and the deity, you may not want to be, you know, so if you turn half the zombies, and under your, under what you're saying, you know, you control half the zombies, you could have them attack the other zombies, right? And that's fine and dandy, but I, I really think that would kind of be deity dependent, because some deities aren't going to want to have anything to do with undead, if undead are abominations or whatever, so they might not let you control them, if, if you know what I mean. But very interesting topic, and look forward to the next one. Take care. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, I I like the idea of making half the zombies fight the other half of the zombies. That just kind of appeals to my warped sense of humor. But I know what you mean about the hit dice and making them making them turn like hit dice higher than they are, because I've seen so many. I've kept it, for a while. I was running into this thing where if the the, uh, the players are going into a dungeon. We were going in a dungeon. I was this as a player, and the for some reason certain areas or the whole dungeon, like say there was a bunch of skeletons. Oh, skeletons! Yeah, right. You know, no problem. But somehow the people who set up the dungeon or the person, the evil guy, set it up so they have like some kind of fetish or jewel. On them. I saw one where they were implanted jewels in their heads to make them harder to turn. So they would turn like two steps high, two hit die higher, or say they'd turn as a, a ghoul or something. You know, that kind of thing. So yeah, you are, you are totally right. You should 
do that every once in a while. But yeah, for some reason, I had, I kept running into that. And it's like, oh, come on, guys. Just, you know, let the cleric do his thing. And as far as controlling undead, yeah, it's, it is deity dependent. I would, I would play that card too. And to me, it's also a trust. It's also a thing of how much do you trust your players to, you know, you say you're, you, one guy's doing a deity that doesn't mind controlling undead. And the other one says, no way undead are, undead are terrible, evil, don't have anything to do with them. And so, you know, you just do it that way. And I, I'm totally, totally okay with that. It's like I said, it could be deity attempt. I change it to controlling undead, but I would do like you know how they have, you know how they'd have dual classing and multi classing and like one e and two e, and they just change the whole thing into multi classing. I would just change it to control undead. And I, I really wouldn't have much problem with that. We just, you know, depending on, once again, depending on the deity, either they're going to let you do it or they're not going to let you do it. I think that's kind of a, a story role-playing aspect that you got to, you know, you got to say, or the, either the GM says or it says in the book. It's got to say, okay, this, this God doesn't really like undead and he may let you turn them, but he won't let you control them. So, you know, it just falls back into the turn control thing. So it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, how shall I say it? It's a fine line to walk. Let me put it that way. Anyway, thank you, Jason. That's good food for thought. Well, today I wanted to talk about, again, game pacing, and I'm talking about as in time. And I, because once I start prepping for something, like I'm prepping for my Astonishing Swordsman game, once I start prepping something, I start thinking about this. I spoke about using a, the clock, using you know different things and that. And to me, it's all because I have a set amount I can run every session. And with this camp, with this group, it's three hours, seven to ten. So I got a plan. So I've got it pretty much. I can plan for three hours. I can do that without, you know, with my eyes closed. That is no problem because I, I established, once again, benchmarks. And once again, you know, standards on what I want to do as far as like, how do I want to keep the story going? And I'm using a module too. So I got to take, I take that into account also. Now the whole thing, see the whole thing is you just got to break the module down into three hours. I just break it down in three hour chunks. Plus, I've run this module before, so I have my notes I can addend them to. I can look at the module and go, okay, are they, I'm thinking they were going to do this much. Now, what I'd like to do is plan for three and a half. Plan for another at least 30 minutes, some, some even up to an hour. Plan for another hour of gameplay, and if you don't get to it, don't worry about it. Tack it on to the next session in the front. That's no problem. Peter Jackson did that with Lord of the Rings with Shelob. So, you know, plan for th plan for whatever you're going to plan, and then plan for a half hour more. And the way I like to work it, of course, is I take an hour, and I figure out what the main encounters are. What the main encounters I think is going to happen. If it's not a sandbox which I think is going to happen because it can go off in some other direction. And then, you know, I'm flying by the seat of my pants again. No problem. But you look, I look at the encounters and I like to plan 
for that chunk of time, I like to plan two major encounters. One, if it's big enough, but two major encounters and three smaller encounters per hour. What I mean by smaller encounters, it could be a shopping trip. It could be a minor fight somewhere with with maybe st- opponents you can they can beat. But they'd have to, I, I like to do opponents they can beat, but they have to work at it. That keeps them on their toes. It could also be some kind of side, a quick side quest. Those are great. And what I like, and this also, this also includes random encounters. Random encounters work into minor encounters when I use them. Because I lay it out there, see how they react, and then I go accordingly. This is the whole thing. This is part of the the GM's job where you have to really watch. I mean, you have to pay attention. You have to, when you put something down, give us, watch and see how they're reacting to it. That tells you what happens next. But anyway, I get off subject again. But like I said, two major encounters and three minor encounters. That would probably be my three-and-a-half-hour session. And the half hour, I would have another minor encounter in my back pocket if I needed it. If not, I can judge next time I do prep. I can judge, okay, do you want to use that at the front of this session, or do you just want to burn it and just keep going? So it's always good to have optional encounters anyway. So that's the way I plan it. If you're in a dungeon, you can do that too. Dungeons usually take care of themselves as far as like pacing and plot. And that's pretty much how I'd run it as far as encounter numbers and things like that go. Anyway, I got to go start my day. So if you guys want to talk to me about this or anything else, oldmangrognardgmail.com, or you can drop a voicemail on Anchor. We are monetized, so as little as 99 cents a month, you too can help support this program, and I would thank you. Thanks again to my supporters, Jonathan, Oliver, Gilbert, Juan Carlos, Daniel, Dan, Benjamin, Jason, John, Allen, Michael, Randy, and Joe. Thank you. If you want to hear some more good podcasts, there's Dan Griggs, the Jung, Y-U-N-G, Jung Grognar podcast, Mark C. Wallrings, the Yawning Owlbear podcast, Big John Allen Larges, the Red Dice Diaries, Randy and Joe over at Biggest Geekus, and my friend Eric Tinkar's Tavern Chat. So, until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air.